0: You're listening to Second Breaks, the show where we talk about feeling better, doing better, and being better in midlife and beyond. I'm Lou Blazer. My first experience of Italy was via the city of Milan, and let me tell you, it was not pleasant. At the end of my first day there, it was clear to me that staying for three more days in Milan before heading to Rome, which was the original plan, was not going to work. That night, I decided rather impulsively that I would head to the Stazione first thing the following morning and take the first train to anywhere that sounded remotely interesting. The first train out of Milan happened to be headed to Florence. And so I thought, you know what, I'd go check it out for a few days, then go to Rome. Well, as it happened, I fell in love with Florence. I stayed there longer than planned, and I never made it to Rome. I was in my mid-20s when this happened. I think I was about 25, 26. And today, Florence is one of my favorite places in the world. And I have returned for a visit a few times in the last couple of decades since. And when I turned 50, there was nowhere else I wanted to celebrate the milestone. But I might have never discovered my love of Florence had I stuck with my original travel plans. Or if I had done the more rational, less impulsive way of first deciding where I wanted to go before heading to the train station. The more rational, saner me might have opted to go to Rome immediately instead of a side trip to Florence. And I would have missed that eye-opening experience. Now, most of the time, this is how we plan, right? We try to plan for change rationally and meticulously. We think about what we want to do, where we want to go or end up, and how we want to go there. It's good to have a plan. It feels less disorienting. And even though nobody can really guarantee anything, having a plan in our back pocket feels like, We're a little bit in control, (laughs) but there's something to be said about serendipity, for opening ourselves to discovering a path that we didn't even know was a possibility, for holding plans loosely and setting a different intention than simply to arrive at our original destination. My guest today, Diane Diaz, did a version of this when she was laid off from her job in 2008 along with thousands of others who found themselves without a job as a result of the financial crisis. She already knew, prior to being laid off, that she wasn't happy with her career, but she had a stable job with a stable income, so she didn't want to rock the boat. Well, (laughs) the boat was rocked for her, as it were, and when she was laid off, she took it as a blessing in disguise. The interesting step she took, though, was the equivalent of going to the train station and seeing what trains were available. Serendipity stepped in, and Diane found herself a new career, learning new skills, and discovering a few things about herself she didn't know about. If you are thinking of making any kind of change in your life... This conversation will inspire you and maybe even help you find some courage to go with the unknown to find what's truly possible. Now, a bit of introduction before I transition to my chat with Diane. Diane Diaz is a speaking coach and a personal brand strategist with Speaking Your Brand, whose mission is to help women develop the communication skills, platform, and confidence to step into thought leadership, influence, and power. Diane regularly speaks on thought leadership, personal branding, LinkedIn strategy, and women's empowerment. She also currently teaches branding and marketing classes at Full Sail University and has many years of experience in branding, marketing, public speaking, and education. Okie dokie, let me step out of the way and I'll catch up with you at the end. So take us back to, let's say, the 2008, you know, there mm-hmm. was this massive thing that happened (laughs) globally. (laughs) The housing market collapsed. And of course, there was the resulting financial crisis, lots of people got affected. I think you were also affected. And so can you take us back to that time? Tell us sort of what's going on with you and also what's going on in your mind when all that stuff's happening?
1: Oh yes, yes, I remember it well. <laughs> so I was I had been working in land development as a marketing director for a land developer um here in Central Florida, Orlando. And I had worked there for almost 10 years. And so, you know, obviously as 2008 was coming around, we kind of saw the writing on the wall, and I worked for a national land development company. So it was all across the nation, many offices, many employees. And so we were told uh, they they came in October and told us they'd be closing our office. We we had a small office in in Orlando, which was I think maybe five or six people. But I had been there a long time. They told us they'd be closing the office and actually closing half of their offices. So I, along with many of my coworkers across the country, were without a job. And so I basically had from October to December, because that's when it would finally be closed, to figure out what my next move would be. I was one of the fortunate ones. I They actually were very kind and gave severance. So that was very good. But even when I knew it was coming, like we had kind of been forewarned even before they officially told us. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, thank God, because I had been in that job, which is a very, it was a very corporate type structure in the company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And corporate life i realized after the fact was not for me so it was very it was very stressful and i was thinking to myself even before the layoff came i was thinking i probably need to do something else but i'm not sure i would have had i not been laid off so i feel like getting laid off was actually the push i needed out the door to go do something else and i mean you know it still hurts when you get laid off but it was time. It was time for me to go do something else anyway. So I was I felt very fortunate that I that of course, I got severance. But I also felt like it was a blessing that the universe was telling me go, go do something new, go do something less stressful.
0: (laughs) That's interesting what you said that had it not happened, you might not have done. So right away or for a long time or even right, you might have just, you Mm. know, because everything is okay anyway, and I'm getting good pay and I have a good job. And that's often sometimes the most difficult scenario, right? When everything is fine.
1: Yeah, just fine. (laughs) And the money's good. It's hard to say, I'm going to leave this job that pays me well, with lots of perks and benefits, and just go do something else when you don't even know what that something else is.
0: Which leads me to my question, which is, did you know what you're going to do next?
1: I had not a clue, not a clue. What I did know was that I did not want to continue to work in the real estate industry in any way, shape or form because mm-hmm. there were there were other companies contacting mm-hmm. me and I'm like, mm, I think I need to get out of this industry. I just don't, I did it, I'm done. I want to do something different. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think I didn't, I knew I did not want to work in a very sort of corporate structure, because it didn't suit me. Yeah, at all. It was a great job. I learned a lot. It was a really great experience. I really learned a lot. But it it was so stressful to the point mm-hmm. where it was impacting my health.
0: Yes. Yeah. Because yeah.
1: corporate jobs are you're on 24 seven, you know, you're, you're tied to your phone, you're tied to your email. I thought, how can I go on like this for the next how many years? I can't. I can't.
0: And I, I don't know if this happened to you. When I was in corporate America, and that's all I knew, I didn't know that there was any other way to, you know, yes. <laughs> to work. All my network, all my friends, all you know, my entire family were in corporate America, basically. Yes. And so this is the world I lived in. And and I didn't know what was a- available or a- opportunities or even different ways of being
1: outside of that corporate structure? Did that happen to you? Oh, my gosh, yes. I had no clue. Because if I even if I had browsed at jobs, I was always browsing at at jobs that were in other corporate structures. I'm like, I did not know that there was a different side of that coin. That was even an option for me. So when I got laid off, you know, I did start looking online to see what was there. And I, I, tried to just look at everything because I had no idea. You know, and I'd been there for 10 years and I had not looked for a job in 10 years. So I'm like, well, let me see what else exists that's even remotely related, but not corporate.
0: So what were the sort of first avenues or first things that you've tried immediately after?
1: Well, one thing was that I told close connections and friends, like, hey, I'm, you know, obviously looking for a job, because I don't, (laughs) I won't have a job in a couple of months. But I don't want to do the same thing. I don't want to stay in the corporate space. So if you know of anything, and then I think I started looking on job sites, like it might have been Career Builder, or Indeed, places like that, because I didn't know, you know, where to start. And at the time, so this was back in 2008 those were just kind of gaining popularity. So it wasn't like a lot of people were using them. But you know, I had access to a computer because they, fortunately, the job that I was at that I was getting laid off from told us, hey, use, go ahead and use your work computer to look for a job because they know we're leaving. So they said, go ahead, you know, feel free to do that on your company time, because there's no more work anyway. So, so I did, I just browsed Mm -hmm. and browsed and browsed and. Happened to stumble upon my next my next thing, so, yeah. Which was what? What happened? It was very. Um, what do they say? What's the word? Um, serendipitous. <laughs> so I stumbled upon this job, which is the job I have. Well, I have two jobs actually. So it, teaching at a university, and it was teaching a branding class. And I read the job description, and I thought. That's what I've been doing in my job. I could easily teach that in my sleep because I love it, you know? So, and then I thought, "Mm, but I've never been a teacher, so I don't know. Like, but I read the job description, no teaching experience necessary. So I'm mulling it over, mulling it over. And then I happened to go to lunch with a friend who I hadn't seen in a while. We met for lunch and I told her what was going on. She's like, oh yeah, I heard they were closing the office. She's like, what do you think you want to do? And I said, oh, I don't know. I said, but interestingly, I ran across this job teaching at a university. And I told her what it was and where it was. And she said, Oh, that's interesting, because my very good friend is the director of, of, I think it was of um, online studies. And it's an online degree program. She said, I'd be happy to give your resume to him. I said, This is meant to be he did not know that I had no idea. (laughs) She knew I didn't know, you know, so I gave her my resume. So long story short, she gave it to him. She, he gave it to the person that was interviewing for that job, and I ended up being hired to teach, which is a complete departure from anything I had ever even imagined that I would be doing. Did right. you approach it like, okay, I'm just gonna try this out and see
0: whether I actually like teaching? Like, what was your what was your mindset at the time when you yes. approached the thing?
1: Yeah, well, I was scared, <laughs> but when I I remember that I. When I applied for the job and connected with the person that was doing the hiring, he asked me to, I think he asked me to put together a lesson plan for a specific assignment. Like he said, this is the assignment. Like, how would you design a lesson plan for that? Okay. So I just used what I knew in my job and I sent him something. So then he brought me in for an interview and I remember saying to him, you know, I said, I just want to make it clear because I was baffled by the fact that I had never (laughs) taught and they wanted me to teach. I said, I just want to make sure you understand I've never taught. He said, "No, no, that's fine because this particular university, their their business model is that you have industry experience and mm-hmm. you bring that to the classroom." He mm-hmm. said, "We'll teach you how to teach. We just mm-hmm. want you to know the subject matter." I mm-hmm. said, "Well, then I'm your I'm your woman."
0: Yes, <laughs> so, yes, yeah. I just totally love that story. Um, and so, so was it like for a term or for like a semester?
1: full-time like that. Uh-huh. full-time oh full-time goodness. yeah and it's a it's a it's a school that does um you know a new class every four weeks so it's kind of a accelerated degree program online i just kind of jumped into it not knowing how it would go because i was like i think the attraction was it was completely 100 percent, i guess a 180 from what i had been doing before and that is what i was looking for
0: and you achieved that one. And yes. so how does it feel to be a teacher now, Diane? Or actually, uh, before you answer that, how how long did it take you to be able to tell people that you're a teacher or that you teach? <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: a, You know what, Lou? That is a great question because I didn't feel like a teacher for a little while because it was such a strange... However, what I can say is that when I was in that environment and around the other... it's, It's a digital marketing program, so basically internet marketing. And I didn't really know that much about internet marketing, but I knew branding, which is what I teach. But being around all the other instructors who were just so smart in SEO and email marketing and all these different things, just being surrounded by them and listening to them, I started to feel more and more like an, an expert in my subject matter, the more that I was around them talking about their subject matter. So I Ooh. I just started to kind of take on the, the characteristics Teachers. of being a teacher. So over a few months, or maybe yeah. six months is when I started to think, oh, no, 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 I am a teacher, I do know things.
0: <laughs> so it's like being around people who have sort of like who embodied their yes. expertise and that they they show up and, and say, I'm yes. an instructor, I'm a teacher. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. That um that reminds me of something that happened to me like uh the podcast is about four years old now. Mm-hmm. But um it didn't take me I think it was about a year and a half before I could actually before I actually said I was a podcaster. Yes. Uh, because in my mind podcasters are people who are like Professional <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> no, <I was> like, <laughs> At that time, it was a weekly show. So mm-hmm. I just have this podcast that was, I just published episodes every week. But I ended up joining like a small group of uh, podcasters who are uh, looking to improve their shows. Right. And mm. so it's basically the craft of podcasting. Yes. And the instructor was was telling me, Lou, you've been podcasting for a year and a half and releasing episodes every week. You can you call yourself a podcaster.
1: podcaster. <laughs> it's so funny how we look at ourselves so differently, I guess because of maybe lack of confidence, imposter syndrome or whatever it is, but other people are seeing us the way we want to be seen, but we don't even believe it.
0: Right. <laughs> it's so crazy. Too funny. All right. So obviously, you love teaching, you discovered, because you're still doing it, right?
1: I still teach. Yes. Yes. Okay. And And then you, you slipped in that you have two jobs. What's the other job? uh, Yes. So this is so I don't know, the way life works out is just a a beautiful mystery. So at the university where I teach, one of my co workers actually actually started on the same day as me teaching a different class in the degree program, named Carol Cox, So we met 13 years, I've been there 13 years, we met 13 years ago. And then she, over time, she's had multiple businesses, she ended up starting her her current company, Speaking Your Brand. And then I started a business because most of the instructors at this university have businesses that they run in addition Mm -hmm. to teaching. Mm -hmm. So I started a business and then she ended up asking me to come work in her business as a speaking coach.
0: Oh my goodness, how interesting. Okay, so tell me the part of you who is into speaking.
1: Yes, you know, it's so funny because I, it it to think about myself as the Diane that I've known my whole life, I am still astonished that I am comfortable with speaking because I used to be incredibly shy and I'm an introvert really, mm-hmm. but I love speaking. And I think it's because I just like, as a woman and helping other women to use their voice in a powerful way that Mm -hmm. sends a message that uh, starts a movement, you know, that supports other women or supports a cause or an idea. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's hard to be for me to match up in my mind, the Diane that I've known my whole life, the Diane of today, but obviously, like you are a podcaster, I am a speaker. So Yeah, so I is true. I absolutely love speaking. And so I had spoken for my own business and then actually ended up hiring Carol to help me create my talk and loved it so much. And then she wanted to grow her business. So she asked me to come and work for her. So I closed my business.
0: Did you always know that like, you know, some some folks um, who are speaking today mm. had known all their lives, or not all their lives, but like in a previous role that they've always liked speaking on stage or liked that public speaking sort of Mm. experience. Did Mm -hmm. you always know that about yourself or was it something that you also discovered after you left your corporate career?
1: Discovered it, totally. (laughs) When I was in the corporate space, I did have to give presentations to internal audiences, so teams, you know, internal to the company that I worked for, and I hated it, I hated it. But I think that's because... You know, it was on a subject that I was land development's not that exciting, frankly. And it was like it was my job, but it's not like it, it wasn't a topic that I was passionate about. And it was very dry, like the marketing plan. Like, you know, it's not that exciting. For me, it wasn't for me anyway. So I I absolutely hated doing presentations and and I did no public speaking at that time. It was just to internal audiences. So then when I, when I started teaching, I did, obviously, a lot of um, sessions online for students, which to me wasn't necessarily, quote, unquote, speaking. I was, oh, I was just teaching. But yes, really, yeah. it's speaking, right? <laughs> like, yes. yeah, that's what it is. And then when I started my business, that's when I started going and speaking to Chambers of Commerce and women's groups about personal branding. And so that's when I discovered, oh, my gosh. I, to my surprise, love speaking. I love it's it. It's
0: different when you actually like what you're talking about.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> when you have a message that you are passionate about and that you believe in, I could yeah. talk all day long about that.
0: <laughs> so maybe there is hope for me. I was, I was talking about this very topic the other day, because um, I, I, I was talking to, actually, it's a common friend of ours, Mary Beth. Uh, Simone and I was uh, we were talking about how a lot of authors have uh, speaking uh, or do public speaking, right? Yes. And I am currently working on my next book, and so she oh. was sort of teasing me about, okay, so are we going to finally see Lou Blazer public speaking? And I'm like, no, I literally uh, would rather have a root canal, and I'm literally, <laughs> I mean that for real. And I told her that in my previous work just like you I had it's part of my job that I Mm -hmm. had to do presentations and I never I did it because I had to because it was Mm -hmm. part of my job but I never really liked it I would rather be doing something else oh yes but just like you I was talking Mm -hmm. about topics related to that job or to that you know industry or you know and not necessarily something I'm passionate about or not necessarily something I like to talk Mm -hmm. about or you spend hours and hours researching and reading and up and all that kinds of stuff so maybe there is hope for me
1: (laughs) there is hope for you that it's the key is to find the thing you're passionate about because then Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel I mean yes you still get nervous before you speak and all that that's normal but it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel as uncomfortable and it doesn't feel like a chore when it's something that you really want other people to know about
0: What I love about your story, Diane, is that you've discovered all these other parts of you that were either always there, that were just dormant and you were never using them or just really new skills, new things that you discovered after you stepped away. And I think so much of us, especially like you you are a great example of somebody who's been on one curve path and was doing very well on that path. And so we kind of fall back to these are the set of skills that I know. Mm -hmm. And people know that I know these skills, right? And so we sort of fall into that. This is my I'm comfortable here and I'm confident here. And then step away from that and to allow yourself to try different things and learn
1: other things that you could be great at and that you could actually
0: enjoy, like teaching and speaking for you. Who knew?
1: (laughs) Who knew? Yes, you learn. I've learned so much about myself in the last, I would say, 10, 12 years. So much about myself.
0: That like 20 years ago, if Diane back then was... You would not ever think that
1: if somebody I gave a a keynote talk to a group of 600 women a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. if someone had told me when I was in my 30s that I would do that I would say you're out of your mind that will never happen (laughs) and and I was nervous as all get out but but I remember I almost don't even remember the talk because I was so nervous because that was the (laughs) largest group I'd ever spoken to but I remember when I got off the stage I thought I want to do that again (laughs)
0: We're going to get back to the interview shortly. I just wanted to briefly mention that this podcast is made possible by Midlife Cues. The Midlife Cues is a weekly digital publication for midlifers who are keen on making the most of their midlife. Every Sunday, we explore topics that help us live a joyful midlife. We talk about health and well being. We talk about midlife mindset, one of the most important foundational things that we really need to master. We examine what growing bolder in our middle years mean for each of us individually, and we explore how we redefine success at work and in life. Give Midlife Cues a try by signing up for your free copy at midlifecues.com. Okie dokie, let's get back to the conversation. And that's another thing that I like about your story too, Diane, is that it's not one of those, too often we hear stories about, oh, this happened, and then I decided, and then voila, here I am. Yeah. But one, one other thing that I'm hearing about your story is that it's a period of, you know, it's a period of time. It's not just overnight, and oh, it's right. just a period yes. of discovering and trying this, mm-hmm. and then, and Uh, serendipity comes into play. Like, who knew you were going to meet a Carolyn Cox? Who knew that your friend knew someone who was actually connected to online teaching and online studies? And so it's a lot of these, you know, serendipitous things that happen, but you only see them because you put yourself out there. Because if you right. weren't telling your friend that this exactly. was something, she wouldn't, why would she be mentioned, mentioning to you that she knew someone?
1: Yes. You know what, that's a really great point, which I think then connects really well to the, the idea of speaking, which is mm-hmm. that you have to tell people. So I told my friend I was looking, yes. I told Carol what I was doing, you know, with my business, which is why she became interested in hiring me to work in her business. So you have to you know, say what it is, you have to put it out into the world, because that's how you get the opportunities to come your way. Yeah, that's true. So
0: looking back, that is such a lesson learned for me. I just like to pause here and internalize that for a second. Let's respect the lesson. Yes. And it's kind of one of those lessons you got to kind of listen to or learn over and over. Yeah. that is very good. Okay, so looking back, Diane, like, you know, this last 10, 12 years of this journey to where you are now, from where you were in real estate, like, what were the what were the hard parts? or What were the easier parts of mm, the that's transition? That's a good question.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would say, well, the easy part was, I mean, I had no choice. I got laid off. So it was like, well, I mean, I, I have to find something yes. else. So why not make it something different, right? So that, right, right. Yeah, that was kind of easy in the sense that the choice was kind of made for me, which again, a blessing. I guess the hard part, the hard part, I would say is that when I went into teaching in digital marketing, I I, I was computer savvy, but I wasn't internet savvy as far as like mm. digital, I knew nothing about digital marketing, literally nothing. So mm. I teach branding to digital marketers. So it was kind of scary coming into that environment not knowing the language, you know, SEO, PPC, like, I don't know what they're talking about, right? So I had no idea. But I would say that was hard and a little scary. But I think the lesson there is to just ask a lot of questions and be very curious and don't be afraid to look things up. Because I yes. can't tell you how much in those, I would say in the first three years of that job, I learned more than I've learned in my entire career before that. Because I just, it was like drinking from a fire hose. I had to.
0: And that's also exciting because we're learning something new. It's scary and exciting at the same time.
1: And I would say the confidence that that gave me from learning that gave me the confidence to speak on stage, start my business, speak on stage, start working for Carol and coaching clients on speaking. I think I know I can learn most things. Mm Mm-hmm you know, you have, I think you have to put yourself out there to do those parts that are scary, because then it right. builds your confidence muscle, you know,
0: right, exactly. Mm-hmm. It just reminded me of a conversation that I was having with an ex colleague of mine, former colleague of mine. And she was saying how it, it took her, you know, 15, 20 years to build her career in, you know, the job that she has now. And then to step away from that, you know, and then she's starting from, uh, the bottom of the ladder again in terms of skill level. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you were talking, I was just realizing how, okay, well, maybe you didn't have street cred for a, te- for being a teacher back then. And maybe you didn't have a street cred for being a speaker back then. But look at you now. Now well, you have all that <laughs> street yes. cred, but all it took is like just. This- Take a few steps forward in that direction before you know it. You have the street cred.
1: Yes. I I know sometimes people will say, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, I'm going to be 50 this year or I'm going to be 55 this year. And I always like to say, well, you're going to be 50 or 55 whether you do that thing or you don't (laughs) do that thing. So why not just do the thing?
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. I'm definitely going to. Uh, make a mental note to send her this specific episode and say, just, just <laughs> good.
1: listen to this episode. Yes, good. <laughs> and pretty
0: soon you will have the street cred that you're yes, talking you about will. that you don't have right now.
1: <laughs> yes, I love that. So,
0: Diane, we've been talking a little about uh, your jobs, uh, but could you talk specifically now about, like, what do you do? Who do you work with? Yes. Um, and where can people find out about you and all these things that you do?
1: <laughs> yes. So I work for speaking your brand and I'm a speaking coach and a personal brand strategist. So we work with women, entrepreneurs and professionals who want to build thought leadership and have a bigger impact with the work that they do, whether that be getting on a getting on a stage, getting on a bigger stage, maybe having a bigger presence, maybe getting into office. But whatever it is, they want to have a a stronger message that makes a bigger impact on the world. So we help them to build thought leadership. We help them to build their talk, whether it be a TED talk or a keynote talk or a lead generation talk. And we help them craft the message so that they come away with something that they can deliver to an audience that inspires them to action or that makes them want to work with that person that's speaking or, you know builds a movement for whatever it is that they're speaking about. So you
0: mentioned entrepreneurs, or Mm -hmm. I guess, leaders, people who are Mm -hmm. in leadership roles. And do people need to have specific identified goals of speaking already to, to approach you guys? So for example, let's, I'll just use myself as an example. Mm -hmm. Today, I don't have any plans. (laughs) (laughs) to go into public speaking but the idea of improving as a speaker Mm -hmm. you know building a message being able to talk about my message sounds appealing to me but if you ask me Lou do you have specific goals about doing a TED talk or good lord like I said I would rather have a root canal (laughs) But, um, but would somebody like me who doesn't have a specific plan to go that direction Would I be an ideal
1: client for you or not really? Lou, that is such a good question, because I would say you still would be. And here is why. Even if you don't want to do a TED Talk, even if you don't want to do a keynote talk, you said you're working on a book. So that requires some level of promotion. And even if that promotion doesn't look like speaking on a stage, you're still telling people about the book, the overall message of the book you know, getting them excited about it, getting them inspired by it. So you're still, quote unquote, speaking your brand, even if it doesn't look like speaking on a stage, and you still want to build thought leadership. Yes. So you so you don't have to have these big lofty speaking goals that, that are, you know, oh, I want to speak at a huge conference where I get paid $50,000 to speak. You don't, it doesn't have to, you can, but you don't have to have that. It can just be that, well, okay, I have a message or I have a movement I want to create or I have a book I'm trying to promote, and I want to be able to tell people about it clearly and in a way that inspires them.
0: Excellent. All right. And where can people find out more about, about uh, the
1: program, about you and about Carol? Yes. Yeah, so you can find me and Carol at speakingyourbrand.com. And we do have the program that we have is the Thought Leader Academy, which is, again, perfect for someone like yourself that wants to build thought leadership to launch a book or whatever you're doing. So you can find information about that at speakingyourbrand.com slash academy. And then you can connect with me mostly on LinkedIn, which is just Diane Diaz on LinkedIn.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to put a link to those on the show notes. But before I let you go, (laughs) I just have a couple last questions, yes. Diane, and, and this is really something that I like to explore with my guests. The mantra of second breaks is celebrate midlife and Love it.
1: when I throw that phrase out to you, what springs to mind? Oh my gosh, so many things. I would say it's, I just think midlife is fantastic. Like I think that when we get to this age, we stop caring as much what people think. About our decisions. We stop trying to make so many other people happy. And of course, I'm not saying be rude to people, but I'm saying we, I feel like I know what I want and I yes. feel like I know myself. I know what I stand for. I also know what my boundaries are. So I find midlife to be a very liberating time, I, liberating in so many ways, you know, mentally, emotionally, uh, just so it's just, I love it. I love this time of life. At 20, I was unsure, shy, reserved, lacked confidence, and thought I had to figure out all the things immediately. Today, I am confident, I am strong, I am powerful, I know what I want, and I know I can figure out just about anything.
0: I want to thank Diane Diaz for sharing her personal story with us. You're going to find all the links and highlights of this episode in the show notes, which you'll find at secondbreaks.com. If you enjoyed this episode or like listening to the podcast, please share it with your friends. Tell them about this specific episode or about the podcast in general. You spreading the word about the show helps tremendously and I would be so, so grateful. Okie dokie. I'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and keep on making your dent, my friend. Cool beans!